And so what I am here to say is this is your baby. This is your family. These are your rules. And that's okay. They're going to be different depending on your circumstances. Welcome to the Mighty Littles Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Zimmerman, and we are back with another episode of the Mighty Littles Podcast. Today, I really wanted to talk about one of my biggest stressors when I had my twins, which was bringing home babies in the wintertime during cold and flu season and what that looked like both for me as well as what does that look like from a more practical standpoint as you're trying to keep your baby healthy during the winter time. So this kind of uh, breaks down into two parts. The first part is going to be preventing illness and the second part is going to be visitors and crowds and people related things. So we're just going to jump right in. We all know, and we have heard for the last several years, and even before that, that in order to keep your baby safe, you need to wash your hands, don't share utensils, don't put their pacifier inside your mouth, disinfect surfaces and toys, and don't have sick people come and visit. But it's not always just that straightforward. And let me go through a couple of examples for you and how you can navigate it. Let's talk about scenario number one. Next door neighbor calls, you have a newborn. She says, I have a tickle in my throat, but I know it's just allergies. For me, that's a no. A tickle in your throat that's allergies could be RSV in an adult. It could be a cold because you've already had it. So you may not get sick. You may just have a little bit of a runny nose and a tickle in your throat, but it might not be allergies. Even if you think it's allergies, even if you don't have a fever, it may still be something that you can expose the little one to. So it's okay. And I encourage you to say, why don't you take something for your allergies and come back in a couple of days? We're, we can't wait for you to meet our baby, but I'm just really cautious with tickles and throats, right? Like it's okay to say no. And for me, that was one of those things where lots of people said, well, I just have a little stuffy nose, but it's just allergies because the wind was blowing yesterday. And I would very kindly ask them not to come and come in a little bit, a day, two days, three days after you're feeling better. And all of those little symptoms have gone away, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing I wanna talk about is older siblings. So it's all wonderful if we could all just stay at home and have our kids around us and have nobody exposed to any colds or illnesses. But that's just not the real world. And in the real world, we go out in it. And those older siblings, when a new baby comes home, routine is paramount. They like going to preschool. They might not want to go every day, but they're going to miss their friends, right? And so if you have an older one that's in preschool or school age, they are going to be exposed to viruses and likely they will be bringing those home. Now, if they're a little bit older, they may have already gotten through their first RSV illness. So they may not get very sick with RSV. They may not even get any symptoms. But 
if they're at school and they're touching and playing and hugging their friends and climbing on the same play structures and their little friend coughs and sneezes and rubs their germs all over the play structure or the toys that your kid is now playing with, that's going to get all over your kid. Not just if they have a stuffy nose, but also on their clothing. So yes, wash their hands, disinfect the toy surfaces. But the other thing that's really important and kind of magic is to put a laundry basket at your back door or your front door, whichever one you use as your main entrance. And when your toddler comes home, you wipe down their face and their hands. That way you're getting rid of anything on them. And then you go ahead and change their clothes. That way, when they come in, all of that stuff that's on their clothes is not getting to baby. Because what does your toddler want to do? They want to run over to the baby and hug and kiss them and hold them. And they don't do it always in the most gentle way. They do it by like laying on them. So now all of that junk that's on their clothes is now all over your baby. So getting their clothes off as soon as they come home can be a really, really important way to minimize the spread of any germs and viruses from your toddlers to your babies. Number three for preventing illness. Mom gets a cold and mom is the primary caregiver for baby. You can't not be around your baby. You need to take care of your baby. So what can you do to really protect your baby? If you're actively coughing and sneezing, you can wear a mask. That way the droplets don't projectile because you can't always control it. And there's no way they're gonna get on your baby. Wash your hands before you breastfeed. Breastfeed if you can, because that's gonna have immune system stuff that goes to your baby that could protect your baby from whatever it is your body is fighting. If you aren't breastfeeding, that is perfectly okay. It is perfectly okay. Do not feel guilty about that at all, at all. Just if you are breastfeeding, it gives you a little bit extra reassurance. If you can, have baby in one space that's very, very close to you, but just a little bit further away than you normally would be. So instead of laying on you 24-7, they can just be kind of next to you, and then you feed them, and then you put them back. Again, a little bit of separation without saying, gosh, I have a cold, I'm not going to see my baby for the next five days, and I'm going to have somebody else take care of my baby, right? Like, that's extreme, and it feels way extreme and it feels way over the top. So you don't need to do that. You don't need to separate from your infant. But a little bit of separation where you're on the couch and they're in the bassinet as opposed to them laying on you on the couch can really go a long way and be beneficial. The next thing that I want to talk about is vaccinations. So one of the best things that you can do to protect your infant is to get vaccinated because your infant isn't going to get vaccines for a while, right? So influenza vaccines, we don't give till at least six months. There isn't a vaccine for RSV, so that's off the table. Pertussis is another big one, right? Babies will get their pertussis vaccine at two, four, and six months approximately, and but they won't be fully immunized until after that six-month shot. So we call this idea that adults are vaccinated for things to protect their children cocooning, right? We are placing a cocoon around the baby by surrounding our little kids with people who are a little bit more immune, who aren't going to get as sick, who aren't going to catch things and then spread them to the infants. Um, so 
most pregnant women will get the pertussis vaccine during their third trimester. And then um, husbands, grandparents can go to Walgreens or Target. Almost any pharmacy now will give you a pertussis booster. It's combined with the tetanus booster. And that can be really, really important. Pertussis is really bad in infants under two months of age. And I don't say that to scare you. I just say that as a, as a way to encourage you to keep your pertussis up to date in order to protect your baby. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about vaccines and rules for visitors in the second section of this podcast. So I'm going to defer that conversation to when we talk about visitors. Number four um, for, per- for kind of helping prevent infection is for all of you that have kids that like to chew on their hair and chew on their fingers. I know that my kids chewed less on their fingers and we broke thumb sucking when kids had to wear masks. And I'm not encouraging you to have your kids wear masks all the time. That's not what this is about. But having something that occupies their hands can really be beneficial in terms of keeping their hands out of their mouth. So fidget toys or beads that they can kind of move in their hands. Some of those things that we use for ADHD can be beneficial in preventing illness if you keep it clean because it keeps your kids' hands out of their mouth. Number five for preventing illness. You are not under house arrest. You need to go out with your baby and your baby needs to go outside. But just be really safe about it, right? Walk on the sidewalk. Don't go to the state fair. Go to Target on a Tuesday instead of Saturday afternoon when everybody else is going. Go to Costco during your local sporting team events because nobody's going to be there. They're all going to be there before the game gathering all the snacks, but nobody's going to be there during the game. That was one of my favorite times to go shopping was during Broncos games because nobody was there and I knew my baby was safe. And then the last thing is when you are in an environment that allows it, open the windows and doors. A little bit of fresh air goes a long way. So those are kind of some of the less popular things to talk about that don't exactly prevent all infections like hand washing and sanitizing, right? Like those are the best things that we can do, but we already know about that. But if you want to go the little extra mile, yeah, wash your hands, sanitize surfaces, take your clothes off when you come inside and be really reasonable and strategic about when it is you leave the house and where you go with your infant. That kind of sums up the how do we protect ourselves and limit the possibility that our infants are going to get sick. Now I want to talk about visitors because I think that's the other really stressful thing, not just from an infection standpoint, but also from a maternal, paternal, family, how are we turning into a family kind of standpoint. And what's interesting about this is that one, everybody has an opinion and two, they're all different. And so what I am here to say is, this is your baby, this is your family, these are your rules, and that's okay. They're going to be different depending on your circumstances. No two situations are alike. So let's start, let's go back to the vaccines that I mentioned earlier, and let's talk about requirement for vaccines. In my house, as a pediatrician, Anyone who came to the house was required to have the flu shot and a pertussis booster. 
that made me feel safe. That made me feel like I was doing what I needed to do in order to protect my infants. I had the luxury of being able to do that because I was at home, my husband was working from home, I didn't need somebody to come help me take care of another child, and my social circle, my world, the people that I'm friends with also believe in vaccines and in vaccinating, right? So that was an easy one for me to do. Now, you may not have it as easy. COVID didn't exist back when my kids were born. So I didn't have to have rules about COVID vaccines. That's the biggest one I get asked about now is, well, I have to go back to work and I rely on my mother-in-law, my mother, my grandma, my cousin, my next door neighbor to watch my kids and they won't get vaccinated for COVID, okay? So you can make a rule that the only people that can be around your baby have a COVID vaccine, or you can make a rule that your preference is that people have a COVID vaccine, but you're really reliant on that person to help you and provide daycare. You aren't gonna be able to make a hard and fast rule. It's not gonna work. You have to have help. You have to have somebody watch your kids. So remember that these rules, they change with time, but ultimately they are your rules. They are what make you feel comfortable with your infant. And that is one of your first parent, big parenting decisions that you're going to make that not everybody is going to agree with. And it's okay that they don't agree with you because this is your family and your baby. And I want you to feel empowered to say, this is my set of rules. This is, and you don't need to justify it. It's not, this is my set of rules because it's simply, this is my set of rules. And then you blame it on me. You blame it on your pediatrician. You say, my doctor said this was just fine. It's, it's not negotiable. Other people don't get to negotiate your rules. The other thing about these rules are, is it going to be the same for everybody? Is everybody going to have the same rules? Or is it going to be different? Well, I'm letting my mom do that because X, Y, or Z, but everybody else we want it for, right? There are special circumstances. And you can make exceptions to your rules because they are your rules and it's what makes you feel comfortable. The one caveat that I wanna put out there is that there's really two kind of um, special circumstances I wanna talk about with these rules. Number one is if you have a medically complex infant, right? So you were in the NICU, or you had a preemie, or you have a baby with heart disease, or you have a baby with an underlying medical condition, born at term, but needed X, Y, and Z procedures. And so they are medically fragile. In those circumstances, your rules should be a little bit tighter because you have higher risk kids and that's okay. Um, and you can talk to your doctor, you can talk to your NICU provider, you can talk to whoever you wanna talk to, to kind of set what those rules are. But generally speaking, they are gonna be a little bit tighter. However, you still aren't under house arrest and it's still okay to get outside and open up your windows. And I think that's really important for mental health for moms with these complex, more complex infants. Um, you don't have to just be locked inside your house. You aren't gonna be taking your baby to Costco. You aren't gonna be taking your baby to Target. That's not gonna happen. But you can walk around the block. You can get outside. You can open up your window. You can have a friend come over and sit outside so you feel a little bit more comfortable. You're not giving them permission to hold your baby, touch your baby, 
love on your baby, kiss your baby, but you are giving yourself permission to have some individual time with your friend while your infant is in a safe space near you and your friend. So that's the first caveat that I wanted to put out there. And then the second one that I wanted to put out there is this idea that people will tell you that your rules are unrealistic, that your rules don't make sense, that your rules are too tight. And that might be true because postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety are real. And they can make us feel like we have to stay in a bubble 24-7. So if you're getting tons of feedback that your rules are unreasonable, think about, is there a little bit of postpartum anxiety playing into this? Do I have a little bit of postpartum depression? Go talk to your provider, talk to your pediatrician, run those rules past them and say, hey, do these seem reasonable to you? Because everybody's telling me they're not reasonable. Or could I have some anxiety that we could work on so that I feel more comfortable with my baby, right? So there are some people who make these really, really, really strict rules that are not reasonable and it's driven by postpartum anxiety. Those are the people that need to go and talk to somebody to get treatment so that you can just really engage and be happy with your baby. Third piece that I wanna talk about, travel, big crowds, church. Um, so for my NICU babies that go home, I really recommend you don't go to church until you get your first set of immunizations in those kids. Um, nobody wants to miss church. Everybody wants to keep going and they show up when they're a little bit sick. And all the nice grandmas at church are going to want to hug and touch your baby and it's really hard to draw that boundary. And so I fully give you permission not to go to church for the first two months until you get those immunizations in. Now, you can swap back and forth. Mom can go one week. Dad can go one week. Older siblings can go. You can all just decide to watch one of the ones that happens online or, or on the internet. Um, or you can simply just take a break. That's okay, too. Whatever feels right for you. But I think that taking newborns to church is one of the least safe places to take them in those first two months. I would much rather you go to Costco than go to church. I know that sounds weird, but that's just how I feel. So that's number one. Number two, big crowds. Again, this is based on your comfort level. When do you feel safe going to that big party or that big event? It's gonna differ depending on what is the event. How important is it to me? Do I have three older children and I feel relatively comfortable or I'm a first time mom and I'm still a little bit cautious and protective? Was my baby in the NICU? Did I have a traumatic birth that's playing into how comfortable I'm feeling? All of those things are perfect reasons to make a decision to go or not to go. But again, they're your decisions. This is about your family and no one makes better decisions for your family than than who is in your family and then air travel in an ideal world taking an infant on air travel will be safer after that first set of immunizations however there are many circumstances that warrant traveling with an infant who is less than two months old and they are perfectly safe the biggest thing you can do for those infants is either one wear a baby carrier and have them really covered and next to you so that they aren't exposed to anything. 
um, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Or number two, buy a seat for the infant and have them in the car seat. And then you can put the swaddle around the car seat so they're nice and protected. You pull them out while you're on the plane to feed them. You put them back in their car seat. So overall, they're a little bit more cocooned and they aren't going to get coughed and sneezed on. So it's not that you can't fly with your infant before two months. It's just safer, relatively safer, if you wait until those two month immunizations. I flew with my oldest when she was seven and a half months or seven and a half weeks old. She got her two month immunizations, and four days later, we got on a plane and went to my grandma's 90th birthday. And it was a huge crowd, and there was a ton of people and family. And we went on an airplane, and it was important to me. It was more important than just staying at home. The caveat being my husband did not go on that trip because he actually got the flu. So it felt safer to leave my house and leave my husband behind than it did to stay at home. So there was that little, little caveat to it. But again, that was right for me and that was right for my family. The last kind of two things that I had listed that I wanted to make sure you guys knew, I kind of already talked about a little bit in the beginning. The first is if it's over 30 degrees or over 40 degrees or whatever makes you comfortable, babies can be outside at any temperature. It's totally fine if they're dressed appropriately. Meet your friend outside. Sit outside at Starbucks and get a coffee. Sit at a table that's six feet away from anybody else. You're going to be fine. That's a really nice way to be able to visit with people without it feeling too close. And number two, just because you visit doesn't mean you snuggle. So that goes back to, again, setting those boundaries where... It's okay to say, I'm comfortable visiting and chatting with you. I really want to see you. I really want you to see my baby, but I'm not ready for you to hold her yet. That's okay. It really is okay. Bottom line, your baby, your rules. Have confidence in them. You don't owe people an explanation. You do not have to justify what your rules are. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back on the air in a couple weeks. This podcast is from my mom, Dr. Anna Zimmerman. It is intended for your education. It is not individual medical advice. Join us next time. Thank you for listening. You keep saying it, Walt. No. Podcast.